Welcome to Talking Junk. I'm your host, Jason Melendez. Live now every week on Fridays. Talking Junk. A multitude of professionals in different aspects, different walks of life. You have to come on and talk junk like a normal person. Welcome to Talking Junk. I'm your host, Jason Melendez. Live now every week on Fridays. Talking Junk. A multitude of professionals in different aspects, different walks of life. You have to come on and talk junk like a normal person. Welcome to Friday nights. How's everybody hey, doing what's out up, there? Jay? What's going on, Tyler? How are you doing tonight? Junkers, what's popping? I'm doing all right, man. Trying to enjoy this Cali weather, bro. You know, it's it's wonderful. Like, I know which one of you in the Junker group. Hello, shout out to all. I don't know if you guys are in Cali or not, but you enjoying this weather? Hope you're not in the high desert. I hear it's hot up there, but it's nice here. Well, our guest today is in Cali right now. Miss Victoria Witt. That's How are you doing tonight, Victoria? Great. Thank you so much for inviting me and looking forward to it. And I've got no complaints about the weather or anything else. So that's good. <laughs> well, it's, it's our pleasure. We're, we're honored to, to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Well, why, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Just a little bit. So um, I immigrated with my family uh, when I was when I was a young uh, teen uh, from South Korea to East Los Angeles. And I don't know if you know, Talon, uh, East Los Angeles was a up place uh, when we uh, first moved here and it still, it remains uh, pretty rough. Uh, you know, it's, it's a financially and economically not a uh, thriving area. So uh, after we got here, we found out that all of our assets were frozen in both countries. So we ended up with 30 bucks in our pocket. And so life was really rough for about five years after I got here. So um, from that beginning to um, starting, you know, I eventually got hyper-educated, learned to speak English. I got hyper-educated because that was the fastest path. I was told it was the fastest path to security, emotional freedom, and all the things, good things in life would come when you get all those things. So I did it. I, you know, was a great student, did all that stuff, um, got some corporate jobs. And I found that I was working, I mean, crazy amount of hours with very little upward mobility. And I was suffocating emotionally and um, I was getting, you know, money, but I was paying a price with my family life and all that. So I did, you know, took a leap of faith and started my own little company. And um I had no mentors or any money. I mean, started my my company with literally no money. And uh, now, what, I, was this your jewelry company? Yeah, it's my jewelry company. And in my career, I've done uh, five hundred million dollars in retail sales, and it's still growing. And um, and I, when I look back at my journey, you know, uh, going through all these countries, traveling millions of miles. You know, I've traveled to. Uh, many, many countries in Europe, Middle East, Asia, North and South America, made some amazing friends and uh, learned about cultures, food, and, you know, just all those things, uh, differences in in politics, religion, and all that. And I've had to kind of, you know, embrace everybody and, you know, the, the more friends, the merrier and negotiate some killer deals. And um, here I'm at. So that's my, my story, pretty much. How'd you end up on the Home Shopping Network? 
Um, they contacted me after uh, seeing my jewelry on the Neiman Marcus catalog because I was in their catalog consistently every two weeks and then their Christmas catalog, you know, it was very, uh, and they've seen my jewelry uh, in all the other department stores. So I went into department stores first. So they're like, you know, who is this uh, jewelry brand? So they called me. And uh, if you remember, since you're in Florida, Home Shopping Network back in- I just, got, I just got to Florida uh, two years oh. ago. Okay, so um, it, 1998, it was a very sleepy little, you know, like a home shopping as an industry retail was just an, in its embryonic state, kind of like how podcasting is right now, where it was in an embryonic state for about 10 years, and then it started like popping a little bit. So I, I wasn't quite sure that that was the right fit for me, since I was already, uh, you know, achieving success in the department stores, specialty, duty-free airlines. I was, you know, I was in, I had a very diverse business. Uh, but in the end, um, my kids were, you know, five and three young. And um, I thought, you know, instead of traveling millions of miles uh, away from home, if this thing worked, I could go from LA to Tampa once a month and pretty much make the same money. I just didn't know how to do it, but I thought that would be sort of like a, a dream come true. So I um, just made a commitment and just really worked hard to make that work. And so for that to actually happen, uh, home HSN had to grow as a company in terms of their you know, uh, brand positioning, uh, prestige, volume, and then I had to be right there with them. So both of that had to happen. So I had to have faith that that was going to happen eventually. And it did. So I had an amazing ride. And after uh, like a two 10-year contract, um, I retired from there to write my two novels. Well, first is a novel, second is a how-to book. And then um, I, I am now on Shop HQ, which is a slightly smaller network, but I still pretty much do the same thing, but not not on that same demanding um, schedule because you know I'm now trying to scale back a little bit of that part of my life. So, yeah. So you, you started your jewelry business with little to no money. Oh no, I had no money. We're talking no money. <laughs> I didn't have money to make samples, Jason. I didn't have make. I mean, literally. How I did you How did you manage to to make your first samples? Okay, so now here is, um, so we're getting into the, I wouldn't say not like a, you know, it's just like a street smart um, way of starting business, okay? So, and risk-free because, you know, obviously I had nothing. Um, so I didn't have any money and what money I had, I wasn't going to risk it. I wasn't going to risk all of it on samples because it was kind of like shooting in the dark. You know, I don't have sophisticated um, research material. I had no idea if I made the samples, they would actually in fact sell. I had, I had no, you know, how would you know, right? Yeah. So I wasn't gonna it's risk it. like a leap of faith. It is, I already took a leap of faith, you know, uh, leaving my job. I could have done it as a side hustle, but it just wasn't um, uh, workable because I was, you know, driving an hour and a half each way and it was just crazy. So when I did it, what I did was I um, designed pieces and I made beautiful sketches and I made a lookbook out of it. And I went to all the major department stores near me. And um, you know, I went to the, the ones that are about 40 mile radius because I was able to drive. And I would go to the stores and I would ask the jewelry, uh, assistant manager of a jewelry counter, you know, if you had you know, these kinds of designs, would you, well, these are actually from my shop HQ, but if, uh, if you had these designs, would you be able to sell it? And uh, she would say, we could sell this, but not that. We could sell a ton of that and we could sell a ton of that. So you know, they'll give me feedback as to which ones 
that they could sell. And I did this with like 40 different stores. So by the time I was done with it, I was reasonably secure that the eight pieces I was going to make had a very good chance of actually, you know, selling at some point because these people are like on the front lines. Not only that, Jason, you'll find that when you're honest, like when she says, oh, my God, you have a company. And I would say, no, I don't have a company. Um, I'm just start kind of starting out my company and I'm just doing some research, you know, and I know you guys are like on the front lines. You have great customers. And so I would ask her for help. And lo and behold, these people actually would pre-sell my stuff because they're like, oh my God, I love this. You know what? You know, I could I could call my best, you know, customer so and so and so and so. So like they actually did all the sales for me just by being vulnerable, being honest. I don't have any money, you know. And um, <laughs> so so I actually pre-sold a few pieces before I even made the first sample. And the first sample actually came in horrible. I have to actually that had to go back a couple of times. Um, but I guess the point I'm trying to make is if you're sitting at home right now watching us on Friday night and thinking, okay, well, what is your story? I mean, you know, is that really true? Well, it is true. And, um, and I'm here to tell you like that one thing led to another thing to another thing. And I'm sitting here talking to you $500 million later because I care that, that you take this very, I mean, the whole thing is take the first step. Right. You know, I could sit here and give you all these wonderful things about motivating you, inspiring you, encouraging you. Yeah. You know, other people do it all the time, but it's actions that end up in results. So after you've got all these, you know, you've really been motivated, inspired, take the first action. Just go out and ask questions. That's what I did. But it's also a different time. You were able to shop your um product around straight to the department stores nowadays we can't do things like that yes you can yes you can you know what nowadays you can send an email you don't have to drive nowadays you can ask questions on social media everything you know i uh, it's interesting because i was on a like a very big podcast and these guys are all into like sleek internet marketing they don't even know what it was like in 19 you know 98 or 89 mm. And I told them, I said, you know, does it scare you that I built my business before we even had the internet, before we had cell phones? Be you know, and I'm going to tell you, it was so much harder back then. You know, it was so much harder. Today, anybody, everything you want to do is free. Your, your calendar, like if you go to Google, you can get Canly for free. You could get all these, you know, surveys for free. You got the internet. You got the whole world in your hands, right? So today it's easier. If I started today doing what I was doing, I probably would have been a billionaire by now. So, I mean, I would say that the times are better today than it ever was when I was. I mean, let me tell you, I had to spend money buying fax machines and try to do business. It's very inefficient. You know, you can't take a picture and send it to somebody. You have to draw them. This is the front view, this is the side view, and that's the whatever view. You have to like describe how many grams it's gonna weigh. Like you, you, you didn't have a photo type thing going on. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing too, Jason, is in my day, if you didn't have a like a thick jewelry catalog, like beautiful glossy catalog, you were out of business because that's how they basically showed jewelry, right? Yeah. Let me tell you, they were somewhere between twenty-five to thirty thousand dollars, and the more styles you had, the the better. You know that was a perception that you you're a bigger company. 
Um, and so if you didn't have your, you know, 50,000 styles in these you know, catalogs, they weigh a ton, you were out of business. And what I did was um, I took, I went to uh, like a camera store, used camera store, and I bought a Polaroid machine. And um, I took pictures of my jewelry and I would send four, just four styles to department store. You know, I would call to find out what their names were. I'd send it to them and I would say something like, hey, you know, I'm a jewelry designer and, you know, I specialize in, you know, whatever, very short and succinct, but these things didn't even make it to the catalog. They're hot off the press. And these are the styles I curated for you. I checked out your stores and these four styles are things that I know that you don't have that you might be able to use. So, and the reason why I chose four is because you can, you can put four, in those days, you could put four of those photographs in one first class stamp. So I sent like 50 of them every day. Okay. So like that without having to pay for the shipping as much. Yeah. The other thing is no shipping and the catalog cost. There was no catalog cost because I couldn't pay for the catalog. I had no money. So no, I mean, excuse I mean, me, I'm sorry because I, I came in late, but what type of jewelry did you make? Just so I have uh, an idea. Fine jewelry, like, like the stuff that I have now, but okay. here's the other thing, you know, jewelry business is notorious for needing fine jewelry business is notorious for needing a lot of capital and I didn't have any money, but here's the thing. Um, so the first thing a jeweler needs is a, like a floor to ceiling safe, like because you have to keep your inventory um, kind of safe and jeweler's insurance is what you need. Well, I didn't have a lot of customers back then, but what I had was worth everything to me, right? Cause I had no money. So what I did was, well, how do I secure my inventory because it is everything and i didn't want yeah, to rob you know, that that you have nothing right <laughs> yeah. but i didn't want to have like you know whatever inventory that i was because there was a there was a money gap like what the suppliers would send me i'd have to sell it to whoever and so there was a there was like a time gap between uh my customers to the supplier so you know i didn't want to take a risk um, besides, if you lose a sample, it, samples may take a lot of money to, to do. So what happened was I simply went to the bank next door, B of A, and, the, you know, they have those bank safes. Yeah. You know, they're about that big, and it was 120 bucks a year. So it, was, it cost me 10 bucks a month. Not bad. So then I thought, well, you know, it's going to be safer there than any safe I could afford. And it also eliminated the need for, like, a jeweler's insurance because, you um, it was, you know, bank is insured. Yeah. So, I mean, the point is, look, don't follow like the the expert path that other people have. Because if you are a smaller business, you you can be more nimble, agile, and you can strike. You'd be much more surgical about it. So, I mean, so you know, it got me started. I and mean, the other thing too is like there was a lot of um, ways I saved that initial, the first year's capital, because I had no rent, remember, because I worked out of my uh, second bedroom. I, you know, I rented a two bedroom apartment instead of the one. Um, and I had no insurance costs, no, you know, employees. And um, so it was actually, uh, you know, pretty good business model. Uh, but I guess the point I'm trying to make too is, you know, nowadays, if you're a young person or maybe you're, you know, looking into retirement and you want to start a small business because you have all these. Well, I'm a young person still looking for retirement right now. Yeah. Right. Hey, well, whatever. I but, need a way out the, the mundane life. I, I need to get out away from the, the nine to five. Your income. 
Yeah, see now that's what happened to me. I had a great income, but I was suffocating. I could I couldn't like sit like sit a nine to five job, you know, because creative people just kind of like we suffocate doing that. And I also principally didn't like the idea that if you're a creative person and you're creating beautiful things or or creative solutions or you're you're creating content and you know you're excited to come to work and you you do something that you know your customers love it then then half the time what happens is like some guy uh, with the finance degree sits there well I'm not going to fund it or there's no money for it or whatever and so your idea gets like slashed or they'll say if you change xyz I'll fund it so I just kind of got tired of it and you know I started my own but um now if you're looking for a business idea or you have an idea you want to implement it you know the experts on Forbes Fox News CNN CNBC whatever all get on TV and tell you if you don't have something really sleek you know if you are not you don't have a huge edge or whatever yet, then you're not going to get anything well you know you you really do um I, I think that it's not as simple as it's not as black and white I think that you can carve out a lane. Look, jewelry business is 2000 years old and there is no business more saturated than jewelry business. Mm -hmm. And I was still able to carve out a niche. I mean, no money. really from what you were doing, you were very, very smart with your moves and how you were doing things. Did, did that come to you naturally or did you, I might've, you might've uh, mentioned this before and I apologize if you did answer it, but did, did you have a specific education? Did you have a, somebody that kind of mentored you into like, look, this is bullshit. This is how you kind of really get your face in there or how, yeah. how does it work? So you missed the part where I was, I immigrated here uh, with my family of seven with $30 in our pocket. So we didn't wow. have any okay. mentors. We have no friends. We had we didn't speak the English. Uh, and it was hard to make friends when you speak no English in those days. Um, so I had to start. In these days too. That's true. Well, <laughs> in these days you still have, back then we didn't have that many Korean people in LA. So there was no Koreatown. So, you know, oh, there were like four Korean kids um, in my whole school and there were several grades ahead of me. So it's really hard to make friends when, you know, the other things I had to be, some, you know, I worked two jobs since I was 15. Uh, and I take three buses to get to each job. So you, you know, wow. you to uh, make friends when you have no time and you speak no English. And right. that's one of the reasons why I got really great at drawing because I started to draw out, like I couldn't communicate with the first year. So I would draw things out. And then later on when um, I had downtime, I would actually draw out my, my emotions, my feelings, you know, and I would paint, you know, yeah. Point. So my jewelry renderings are very emotionally uh, uh, kind of uh, connecting. You know, every piece has an emotional connection to things. But going back to your question, um, when you have nothing and you have no options, mm -hmm. you you know you have to come up with solutions that include no money. Right. And that's how uh, I ended up. It's not like I was super smart. Uh, it's not like I. You know, it's like, um, so now I, occasionally I play golf and I was in Florida, last time I was in Florida, um, my girlfriend and I decided we're going to go play golf. Well, it was at the last minute and um, the the hotel said, I can't get you golf clubs because you didn't order it fast enough. So we went to Walmart across the street mm -hmm. 
and they had this hideous looking clubs that were like seven clubs or something. It was not a complete set, but I just bought it. It was 99 bucks, including the, the bag and everything. So when I started playing the, the golf, I mean, it was horrible clubs. Um, and it only had like one wood. Okay. I didn't even know what it was. And it, it didn't have a, a sandwich and a pitching wedge. It just had one between the two. And I played the best. You were already round. at a disadvantage. But yeah. <laughs> I played the best round ever because it made the decision so simple. Mm. You know, it made you did the like I would pull out whatever the wood it was. I couldn't. It was weird shaped. I couldn't tell if it was a rescue or a five or, a, but it was the only thing that you had. So you commit to it and you hit it right. Mm -hmm. And after like a second or third hole, you realize how far you could actually hit the thing. Mm. At my home club, I have like 13 clubs or whatever that they give you. So I'm like, well, you know, should I hit the five or the three or the iron? But you never really commit to this thing. And mm -hmm. so I thought to myself, when you don't have any options and your, your um, decisions are as simple as yes or no, mm -hmm. I mean, it's uh, you gotta try it. You actually try to pretend that you have no money. I, I actually definitely agree with that approach. I think that's kind of I actually definitely have almost you is that we actually have way too many options for just about everything. And because of that, we can't really make decisions. Everything, everything has some type of value. Everything is offering you this. There's so many different choices. Just look at streaming services itself. There's a lot of overlap in some regards, but then there's just specific things that aren't there. So they're kind of making you have to choose, but at the same time, you don't want to choose. You just decide. Well, you know, not only that, you, even when you make a decision after 14 options, you're not quite sure if it was really the best decision or not. And so you're mm -hmm. going to kind of try it and to yeah. see if it works. Because if, you know, if there's one little thing wrong with it, I'm going to go to the next option. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you, all you had was one, um, you do the best you can and you work with mm -hmm. it and you really become an expert in that. You know, the other day I saw this podcast. I mean, it was, it was a video and they like do this whole thing in 4K. I mean, it looks better than like CNBC studio. And I asked him, I said, how do you guys do that? And he said, you know, could you believe it? I bought all my equipment in 2008 and I've never touched it. It's been on the corner, never touched it. And, um, you know, I just became like a tech junkie because they didn't have people that had helped you with streaming service and all that stuff back then. So he said, like, I use old equipment. Um, and it works because I've learned to add this little thing or that little thing. I, you know, he was explaining to me how he's using the same cable between, you know, the cloud lifter to this, to this, because so that it's the same frequency. You know, he, like he looks like a total tech chunk, but he said, I have to learn how to do this because there was nobody to teach me back then. Right. So the point is, I think, yes, if you have money and you can buy all the tools, like right now today, you could buy all the tools in the world to give you um, – I saw some guy was trying to sell me um, how emotions sell everything and that, you know, um, so he, he's trying to explain to me all the different human emotions and how they impact buying. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, why would I need to buy a software to find out if somebody feels sad or happy? When you right. just ask them. Right. You, or you, you can ask them. Sometimes too. Or have a conversation with them and find out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Like just get to know them. And that conversation has to, does not have to be in person. You could just be observing their Facebook posts. You could be, you know what I mean? Like 
Why would I need? There's to a lot of different thing? social cues now that you can use to read people's emotions. Right, but I guess the point is when we have too many options. How many hours a day do you think entrepreneurs today are spending trying to figure out which software to buy? Too many. Little to none. Exactly. Because most of the people with that software are entrepreneurs themselves. So they're trying to go out and hustle. So they're inundating people above them with their yeah. own. Yeah. And it, it just it makes it very difficult. Whether you're trying to whittle it down or not, like you mentioned before, you're going to kind of usually have that nag in the back of your head. I don't really know if this is the best option, but this is what I feel is the best option. But I feel like there's a lot of people that are even having difficulty just choosing. They kind of just wait for the time limit to run out and let it be chosen for them. And then they yeah. deal with what the consequences. And it's it's unfortunate. We we want options, but we don't want to really choose. It's too many. Options. Yeah, it's too many options. I think yeah, we don't want to be overwhelmed. You know what? Do you guys, when you go to like a restaurant, I hate restaurants that have like a whole book for a menu. Um, I like I like to know what you specialize in. What do you cook? Right. That's where the adage comes from. Don't get seafood at a steakhouse. Well, don't get seafood where you can't see this. You can't that's see too. around too. That's very <laughs> important. You know? That will make you think seafood is disgusting. And just PSA, go, all around pier, me. go by the ocean and then get some fresh seafood. Right. Change your whole right. opinion. Right, exactly. And, you know, my whole thing is I'm in this old business, but, you know, jewelry is old, but, and the jewelry industry, you know, has evolved and changed a gazillion times. But the bottom line is this, I don't ever, I never saw myself as being in the jewelry business to be, to be sure, because I do fine jewelry, I see myself as somebody who is helping my customers memorializing their milestones. So you're getting married, um, you know, think about you're getting married, you got anniversaries, birthdays, graduations, uh, you're celebrating your promotions. This is why people buy jewelry, you know, to make them feel good, they accomplished something, they revived. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. you, can, you can almost find any type of occasion to buy a piece of jewelry. You're mm -hmm. right. And it with your family this is how it's a sort of like your history right now do you so, make men's jewelry as well mm -hmm, i do so i guess what if you see yourself doing that you definitely up level your game you definitely think of yourself being a part of their family's tradition for the next 100 years so your quality goes up your designs have a little personality to them it's very personality reflective but also it has a certain um, endurance of time kind of a design element that has to have that. So, uh, and when you do that, you'll find that things that I designed 30 years ago still goes with things that I'm doing today. So again, that mentality of who you're serving, why you are there, what you actually do, uh, what problems you're serving or what are you actually providing? Cause it's really to bear the product, it's the emotion. You know, it's like, does your product helps solve problems, create memories? Uh, does it um, help you save money or time or prevent a future? Or does it right a social wrong? Like if you're doing like that, live, live strong or whatever. So if you look at the bigger picture and you look at your business model, you know, the way I have with my business, um, it, it's been very consistent the whole time. And the other thing I love about that is you know, can you imagine like if I designed their wedding ring and they loved it, them going to somebody else for their anniversary ring? I don't think so. They'll come back to me first unless I really screw up. Mm -hmm. right? Then when they have a baby, 
baby, they come to me, the first baby, they come to me for that present. And now the babies are ordering their wedding presents. You create a rapport with your customers. Yeah, exactly. Because exactly. so they the like the customer your style. Loyalty. The loyalty, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Which is now, is, is there any advice that you can give our junkers out there who are aspiring to be uh, jewelry, uh, jewelry connoisseurs such as yourself? I mean, believe in yourself. Absolutely. I think in any business and anything you do, you got to believe in yourself because I think that we are now the, the one difference between when I started back then and now you guys have a very uh, huge disadvantage which is when you look at social media you look at any media they make you feel like you're lesser than they make you feel like there is some expert for everything in the world and you're not the expert right mm -hmm. well i'll tell you what i think that that's a very toxic environment um to kind of be inspired to take action so god believe in yourself um i will also say that I am not a smart person. I mean, I'm above average. Okay. I am, I don't, I'm not a, like a, a Einstein or I didn't invent anything. I'm not a scientist. I took an old business and I found ways to simplify their life. Like make the, you know, you know, like when I first got into the business, all the jewelry was like uh, sold in size seven for some reason in women's. So if you wanted anything other than a seven, you had to go get a specially made or, you know, you have to wait two weeks to go get it. Bracelets were all size seven inches and 50% of American women cannot wear size seven. You know, they were eight and a half when they're larger and they were six and a half when they're smaller. So I offer them in these sizes. And so I got, you know, market share for all of that. And remember, I didn't need to make 50% market share. I only needed 5% market share for me to make a living. So think about, you know, the ways you could still carve out your lane, like a problem solver or, you know, if you're going to make memories, you might as well make them really good. So I would say if you're a young person starting out today, today, I believe more than ever before, now after COVID, the opportunities are great. You know, bigger companies cannot, we talk about everybody, every market uh, marketing expert tells you uh, niche down, niche down, niche down. And, you know, bigger company can't niche down. Do you know, like huge companies cannot niche down because it's like trying to make a hard right turn with the Titanic. They don't know how to do it. They can't. You're going to hit an iceberg. Right, right. Or you're going to miss Small your target. business people like us can because mm -hmm. we're nimble and we're agile, right? So I would say believe in yourself. Um, look for the littlest niche you can hang on to and be everything to that little market because you are going to find it. It's like if you're trying to hit a nail with a hammer, I'm not good at it, but you might miss it the first time, you might miss the second time, but you, you might hit it, the third. Eventually, you are going to put that nail in there. You're going to hit it on the nail eventually. It's how many times are you going to need to do that? In my case, it was a lot. It was a lot. I had to solve a lot of problems because I didn't have easy solutions like I'm going to buy this or I'm going to hire that person. I didn't have that. So um, I became experts in a lot of things involuntarily because I had to, you know, I didn't have an option to hire it. So I would say the other thing is I didn't speak English. You know, there's a lot of things that I couldn't offer to my customers. And what I found is that people, American people, I am American, you know, I'm an American citizen, I've been here since I was a teen. You know, we love underdogs. 
right? We don't oh, like yeah. we don't the like underdog it. story is the, the greatest yeah. story in history. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. if you come off as I know everything, I'm perfect, you know what? Nobody cares. They know you're fake because nobody's perfect and nobody, you know. So if you are vulnerable and I mean, don't create fake vulnerability, but if you're vulnerable and you, you know, like I, I uh, you missed this earlier, um, but when I um, went to department stores and with, with the lookbook and I told them, you know, I really don't have a whole lot of money and I'm trying to start my company. Could you help me? Like, can you tell me which ones you think you're going to sell? Mm -hmm. They they took it upon themselves to go get orders for me because, you know, they, they really wanted me to succeed. Uh, they saw a little bit of me in them, I guess. So the point I'm trying to make is, if you're vulnerable, you're imperfect, and you think you are not good enough about one little thing, but you're trying your hardest, you're trying your darn hardest, that's who Americans root for. Mm -hmm. That's who we cheer for. And they'll be cheering for you all the time. I mean, just be humble, be grateful. Um, you know, like, even that's though- That's very important though. I think a lot of people will forget to be humble. Oh God! They you know, they go straight from awesome. humbled because there's a difference from you being <laughs> humble and being humbled. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're very humbled when you start, and then you get this sort of cockiness about you, and you forget to be humble about it. Well, I mean, there's no need for that, Jason. I think that um, you know I wake up every day. Um, with a lot of gratitude for, not for what I've accomplished in terms of money, but the journey, the, the real difficult part of my journey, I think they were really the golden nuggets uh, in my life. And, mm -hmm. you know, just to give you an example, like when I travel to trade shows or even to see my customers, you know, I'm just gonna tell you honestly, right now, I have the financial means to, to be extravagant. Uh, but I don't because I don't see a point in it. And uh, when I go to like uh, when I when I used to go to HSN Studios, for example, you know, I mean, most people know like the, how many dollars we do because they have all the sales report and all that. But I hate the idea of me walking into any studio or anybody's um, office, you know, even if it's like a Macy's buyer's office. I hate the idea of walking with a twenty, thirty thousand dollar watch or whatever because these people are making that in a year. Mm -hmm. And they're working their rear ends off. They're leaving their kids at home. It's almost like flaunting it in their face. That's that's yeah. a respect that's not really put out there like that. I, I I even though I've not met you, I appreciate that you do that because it's very admirable. Realize yeah. how being flashy can really affect the people around yeah. them. Like yeah. do that. it's not impressive. It makes you look bad. More millionaires yeah. should uh, take your lead. You know, the other thing is like when I go to um, when I when I try to go to like when a lot of my products are sourced overseas, like in you know, Hong Kong, India, places like that. And uh, when I go there, I fly uh, and I go to all these meetings with like a, just a Jan Sport backpack. I don't even have a leather handbag. I mean, um, I, mean I have them, but I wouldn't I wouldn't carry them uh, because these people are making like thirty five, uh, like fifty dollars a month. Mm. So if I'm walking with like a coach bag it's essentially like a year's paycheck that they got, you know? And so- Probably way more than that, if they're only making $50 a, a yeah, week. Yeah, whatever. It's like, yeah. what right do I have to like, you know, 
I mean, it's just really sad. So I would, you know, I don't actually want anything. I'm, you know, you can see like, I'm just very basic. Mm -hmm. um, so. You have a lovely home though, by the way. Yeah, I, I do like your setup there with the plants and everything. It's very pretty looking. Yeah, it's actually all natural out here. You know, San Diego, we get a little uh, nice weather, you know, nice topography. But um, going back to being humble, like, I just think that if you're, in, you know, here's one really important thing that I really want to address to everybody listening. And that is, if you believe in yourself and you make a commitment to success, like here's my version of success, here's my dream idea, and you commit to it and you you really do, you're willing to do anything and everything, you know, within reason to achieve this, working, figuring out, you're going to eventually get there. But what I don't want to see is having gone through the process, you need to start to appreciate life more and you need to be a better character person at the end of that journey than before. Beginning In the beginning, it's easy to be bitchy. It's easy to say, why me? Why? How come I don't have any money? How come they get all the customers, all this stuff? Well, you may have a right to say that um, because when you have no money, I, I know how it feels to feel like mm -hmm. that's there. But when you get to the end, what have you got to bitch about? Because you got you got millions, like what are you bitching about? What are you? Yeah, there's no reason to. There's yeah. no reason to. Relax. So I feel like I, when you got to that point, you have to have empathy for people that are just beginning. Uh, you have to have. I mean, some part of you inside has to like really have that desire to help those people because you're like, you know what? All I have to do is like share an hour of a podcast or give them two sentences on how to avoid that landmine. You know, like, you know, wh why is that so, you know, so odd these days? It goes back to being humble. Not a lot of people know how to do that. Well, I mean, I I do it. Not, I mean, a lot of, you know, the, the other thing I just absolutely hate, too, is like a lot of uh, these how-to books. And that's why I started to write my how-to book, by the way, because what I found is a lot of these how-to books and how-to online classes will tell you why you need a new, you know, marketing strategy or why you need a new podcast, whatever. And what you look need. No, look no further than talking junk. <laughs> yeah. well, a lot of times they really don't share exactly how to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to give them like literally foolproof framework that if somebody like me who really had the desire to do it, they can do it and hopefully they'll make five billion dollars off of that because you know um i mean i i did start at a very really you know i had no money and didn't speak any english and you know and i have five you lived years. the proverbial american dream I, I have and i'm very grateful for it I, I that's why i told you at the beginning of the show i said i'm not going to complain about anything remember that yes okay because i never been the loveliest guest we've had on here that's not true. You had to have some people. Okay. Oh, we've had plenty and they have been lovely. However, you look at you the loveliest. Jay. Well, thank you so much. Lead. I agree. But no, you've been very, very um I, I have to say I, I admire from everything I've heard here. If there's anything that you can directly take from Victoria here, is look at what having a real work ethic has you and not taking no for an answer in the sense of you can't do it this way. All right, well, 
let me figure out how to do it then. I don't have a hundred dollars. Well, how can I do it with $10? Let me figure that out. And that's uh, ethic and a sense of mind that if people just apply to how they're already doing things, they might actually see that they they can have more success. They're just not going about it correctly. They're, they're, they take L's or losses a little too to the heart and not as much as a lesson. You gotta take those as a lesson so that way you can be like, okay, that's not my way or I gotta do better if that's the way that I'm gonna go. Instead of it being like, well, maybe I can't do this, maybe I'm not good enough. That's not necessarily the answer until you exhaust everything, until you know that's like, you know, that's what you got to do. You got to have that passion. And you say that you're not smart, but you got that work smart clearly because you you can't just get to where you're at without having some type of smart. She's a jewelry genius. An expert in a number of different ways that have gotten you to the place that you are now. But even though you are there because you really worked for it and worked for it from nothing, you're still able to maintain your and that's yeah. something that I wish was more reflected, but I can understand that people can get lost in it. They forget where they come from. It sounds like you have not forgotten. And that, that's great. Yeah, I never forget. I mean, you know, I'll just give you one story. Uh, where I live is really affluent area. And uh, our gardener, Domingo, you know, he's, uh, I think he's from El Salvador. His wife is from Mexico. You know, he works hard. He's like here at six o'clock in the morning, works really hard. And, um, you know, I just want everybody to understand, don't judge a book by its cover, because one day I asked him, you know, how is your daughter, you know, and and his daughter went to Harvard on a full scholarship, full academic scholarship. All right. Wow. So let me tell you. Congratulations, Domingo's daughter. Yeah. And to Domingo, because, you know, he put, he put in that sacrifice. But the thing I want to also, second thing I want, when you say about advice about giving it to the young people now is this. Failure, I cannot guarantee you success. I guarantee you success because the way I actually see success is the journey itself. But what I will guarantee you is you're going to run into a lot of failures. When you do, you know, people say it's not how you fall, but it's how you get up and all that. It's great. But plan on your failures because failures are going to happen for sure. But not one of those failures are fatal. And it is a key component of your success. You know, think about it. A kid that um, what doesn't, you know, if you take the little kid to, to ski, for example, oh, it's cold, I don't want to go out. You know, what if I fall? Oh my God, mom, you know, you know I don't know. Well, they do all this, but then the first time they fall, they're like, oh my God, I haven't died. I'm not bleeding. It didn't even hurt and, that bad. You know, and I'm not, I'm not hurting. Right. And that was actually fun. I mean, snow, it looks feel great. I'm just going to play in the snow. And then they go on a bigger hill mm-hmm. and then they keep going on the bill until they break their knee or something. You know, that's how their problem. Mm-hmm. But the point is in a range. that is how you learn mm-hmm. by making small mistakes and learning from that. And so that's why I said, like, if you stick with it, you the quickest will. Bat- the quickest battle lost is the battle never fought. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, look, I can sit here and talk for hours, but um, I'm not going to because I don't want to bore you. Oh, man, you're not boring. <laughs> <laughs> we love to hear gems like that. We're getting While we do have the time, China, can you throw up um, Victoria's website for us? Now, on your website, this is where we can find all your jewelry? No. Uh, 
it's interesting because it's the uh, so you're going to see my books. I, I've written a science fiction and a how to. Oh. Now, how to is uh, being um, revised now for like a publication. And I, I've got some publishers that wanted to pay me some um, advanced money. I've got the podcast Million Dollar Hobbies, which is kind of like um, my journey. And you're going to learn a lot from that. And so if you guys can come on that, that'd be great. And then oh, we would that, love to. Yeah, so that is the jewelry. Now, this is a 100% engagement site because my jewelry is sold all over the world. So I don't feel like I need to sell that on my website because other, you know, I've got shop, my, my TV network is selling it. The TV You have other people out. selling your stuff, so you don't right. need to. So this is 100 because I don't want to push people to keep buying. You need to tell um, us how to do that so we can get people to sell our <laughs> shit. Exactly. Yeah, yeah and we got to find this logic. And then on the education part, um, I actually am going to be like, I'm doing a free webinar um, pretty soon about basically how they, how people get visible, how small businesses can be relevant, simplify uh, and become relevant, elevate their, you know, message, amplify their message. And then that's how you build it. Will you be charging for the webinar? It's completely free. Completely free. Uh, completely free. Completely free. You know, there's knowledge there. She doesn't need your money. She wants to help you out. Yeah. So I keep on writing. Let me, let me tell you something, Jason. Uh, um, when I if you know, like the book, for example, okay, that's a great example. If I charge ten bucks a book, okay, and I'll get like a buck or two from my publisher, you know, when I go on TV, I make so much more money that it would be stupid to write the book. Because, you know, the, but I'm writing the book because my legacy now is I want to create a million millionaires, and I don't think it's really out of out of reach, really. Um, so and I'm not going to do it this year or next year. I want to do it for my, the next chapter of my life. So, and I don't, you know, I don't ever feel great about uh, like charging for little downloads. So um, they're gonna, you'll be able to come in and you know, just really get, get some really great tips that are completely free. It, you just have to work a little bit, but it is all free. So, <laughs> but here's another thing, you know, when you, so if you, uh, some people I know, they're like um, kind of awestruck by people who have all these degrees and certifications or whatever. Um, I have to tell you the, you know, when people talk about, you know, new customer acquisition, you know, um, you know, I've got a new customer, Think about it this way. If you open a restaurant and you op you had an opening day and you have 300 people dining that night and you go, oh my God, I got 300 new customers. Well, no, you don't have 300 new customers because if they come back next month, that's your new customer. Mm -hmm. But if 150 of them never came back, did you really have 300 customers? No, you didn't. No. So, you know, you it's had, like- You had 150 yeah, customers and 150 passerbys. 150 people that might potentially tell people why they're not ever coming back. Mm -hmm. That's worse, right? Some here. people will say, you know, it was just kind of okay. You know, I got, I thought I expected more, but some people might say, geez, you know, the, the food came cold and, uh, you know, I, the, the waitress was just, there's a fly in my whoever, there's a fly in my, you know, that's like you're going to lose 10 more customers. Right. So you better be careful. When you start to count your, you know, money before, so like in never your, count your chickens before they hatch. Right in your like MBA school, they teach you, you know, customer acquisition dollars, all this stuff. Well, they're not actually customers. 
in this country, most places give you 30 days money back guarantee and most credit cards will actually give you, you know, a, sort of a guarantee. So if you sell bath soaps or whatever and they return it, you know, you have to understand. So when you have this mindset, right, I have to serve my customers to the point where they're going to be my ambassador. They're going to be fanatical about like your, their experience here. What happens is you're going to elevate your product, your service, their experience, and then you're going to make sure they come back. So you touch them after the experience. So you get that frequency closer. You get that gap closer. So it's all those little things. You now, what I'm telling you this, this is completely common sense, right? This, is, this isn't like Einstein theory here. Hmm. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's common. You gotta use your common sense. It's not the um, theory of relativity. Common sense is very uncommon these it's days. Not. It's you not. You know that. So anyway. Now, before we uh, before we let you. Uh, go about your your day because I'm more than sure that you're a very busy woman. Uh, I I do have to ask, what is the the sci-fi uh, book about? Oh, so uh, the sci-fi book is actually it's Shattered Sky, and it is a it's a uh, near future science fiction, and it happens after um, a nuclear war has gone through the world. So. You know, nuclear bombs have hit different parts of the world. So some people live like normal lives and other people actually about a third of the country has been like wiped out. And it really has to do with it's a murder mystery. But um, the girl sci-fi murder mystery, you got me hooked already. Yeah, it's it, the girl has got to solve a murder and the kidnapping of her sister. And through her proof of vision, you are seeing the um you know sex trafficking the uh the all of the cd stuff that humans do when they're starving and they need health care and all that so it is it does address a lot of the social ills that we're going through right now via non-political um sort of a science fiction so i kind of didn't want to make it political so that's why i chose a futuristic um, society with made up names so that, you know, people aren't going to be turned off right away either way. So it's pretty well reviewed by, um, you know, major publishing houses. I'm actually writing a sequel to this one because they wanted wow. me to write the, like a three book series. Um, so we're definitely going to have to get our hands on a copy. Yeah, you should do it. And um, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. And um, I love coming on shows like yours because you know, when I get interviewed by major media, you know, you get 10 seconds, 30 seconds, right? You don't, you know, two minutes. You don't get to actually really explain to somebody, you know, when you when they say believe in yourself, like I need them to kind of really get it, you know? Um, and I just do think that, listen, if a penniless immigrant can come here and create, you know, um, a dream life for herself, then anybody can do it. And I assure you, you can do it. You are more than enough. And uh, you just got to believe in yourself and keep educating yourself, investing in yourself. And there are free classes everywhere. You know, there are people like me out there, all, a lot of us. I mean, you just have, to, they're not as common as people not like me, but mm -hmm. there are a lot of us who are out there trying to um, help and educate. And, you know, uh, tomorrow I'm going to be speaking at a, a, a like a global uh, women's empowerment summit that wow. I'm speaking for free at that event also. Um, you know, 
you know, I don't, I don't take like speaking fees and things like that because it's kind of like inconsequential to me at the moment. So yeah, you know, they, they're just going to get, you know, all of this is out here available. So get started. Um, I would say because I spent like an hour here, what I'd like everybody to do right now is think about the one little thing you could do today. When you get off this show, do the one thing. And it could just be, look, I see myself three years from now doing, you know, ABC, and I'm going to make a commitment today. So it's like if you want to lose 10 pounds, you say, okay, you know what? I put on some COVID weight and then, you know, that was on top of the Christmas weight, whatever. So I want to lose it. I'm going to make a real commitment to, you know, losing weight. And so and here I thought me putting the camera like this would take the pounds off the camera. <laughs> it already did. You already did. That's the fast <laughs> way to do it, right? But let's say you were going to do that and say, I'm going to commit. I'm motivated. I'm encouraged. And, you know, I watched some video and it's great. Okay. Well, you know what? That's probably not going to work for you. And I'll tell you why. If you said instead, you know what? I tried losing 10 pounds every year and every year I put on one pound. So here's what I'm going to do this time. I am going to lose 10 pounds in the next 10 weeks. So now you put your timeline there, right? Mm -hmm. So now 10 pounds in the next 10 weeks means you got one pound a week to lose basically. So if you say to yourself, and in order for me to do that, I'm willing to today cut out 300 calories a day total, because that's going to get you the, the 10 pound, the one pound off a, a week. So you say to yourself, so if I'm willing to cut out 300 pounds, 300 calories every day, today could be that I cut out my toast and butter this morning. Tomorrow could be, I'm going to cut, cut out my glass of wine with crackers, whatever it is, you do this. Then, yeah. Then you say, you know what? I'm going to walk my dog. You know, I haven't, I skip walking my dog. I'm going to walk my dog twice instead of, you know, every once a day. Now, if you do that, you may lose 12 pounds. You may lose eight, but it's better than not starting. Mm -hmm. Right? It's better than not starting. Definitely is. So start something. Mm -hmm. Write down your mission. Start something. Because when I came to America, I didn't speak English. And I was 13 years old. And I thought to myself, what is? what can I do? I don't speak English. I can't go get a job. I don't have a car. What can I do? I thought, well, you know what? I can learn to speak English. Well, there's no ESL classes. Um, there was no online classes. I didn't have, you know, books to to teach me, you know, Korean to English or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I told my dad, um, just, you know, I need to learn to speak English. And my dad didn't speak English. So he got a dictionary, uh, Amer uh, English to English dictionary, like a thesaurus. Um, and then he just randomly circled 200 words a day. And I would take that circled word and I would look at the definition. Then there'll be like six other words I didn't know. So I, I ended up with like 350 words. But I did this. And what, I, what happened was I found out that American kids live perfectly fine with 2,500 words total. So I was there in the thick of things, right? So that one action, having my dad to circle dictionary words, now, we just went through how I wrote two books. Yep. From that point to that, it's accomplished. you guys, take one little action, and you would make me the happiest woman in the world. From not being able to speak, read, or write English to writing two books. That has been 
the lovely Victoria Wick. Thank you again for joining us today because it's it's been an amazing talk and we do hope to have you on our other show. Maybe we could have a whole bunch of women come on and have a woman empowerment um, episode. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a good balance. Thank you, thank you so much. I've got a lot of a lot of women friends who are, you know, I mean, just like some of them make me look like I'm a little child. I mean, they're very successful people. Well, that uh, sounds good to me. If you ever want to set something up, you can always use yeah. an outlet, our outlet, and we would love to come on your show. Just let us know yeah, when, yeah. and we'll be there. But mm-hmm. junkers, that has been your talking junk episode for this Friday night. We want to thank you for joining us and take uh, Miss Wick's advice. You. You think of what you want to be in life, where you want to go, follow your dreams, start little by little every day, and then you'll you'll end up to be where you want to be one day. And just remember, your journey starts right here. Right now. Right now. We're talking junk. junk. Welcome to Talking Junk. I'm your host, Jason Melendez.